Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. We've got a special bonus episode to lead you into the weekend of NBA betting. Tune this into your ear holes. We will try to let I'll try to figure out what the details are to let you put a timestamp in there for like the Friday stuff, the Saturday stuff. But we have a very special guest. We have Brandon Anderson, fellow colleague at the Action Network. Brandon, it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I know the listeners wanted to hear from you. It's a fun time, Joe. First round is here. We got the overlapping games every night. We got lots of basketball. We're starting to wrap up some of these series at this point by the time that we're finishing this podcast and getting it out. And yeah, we're getting the good stuff. The West has been fun. The East is more like set up for, for round two, I feel like at this yeah. point. But it, I, I could do with like 17 less stars getting injured and missing games. I could do without that. But otherwise, we're having fun. No, I, I think it's been so far, it's been a pretty entertaining postseason. And honestly, even the series that are getting like a little out of hand, right? Like, and we'll kind of get into those briefly, but even those series have been interesting for like a variety of different reasons, right? So I think off the top, we'll just let's just talk about some of these teams that are playing on Friday. And one of these teams that, you know, one of the series that's kind of getting out of hand is this Boston Atlanta series. And that's something that we anticipated we bet that minus two and a half games but like this is just a this is these teams are in completely different classes right yeah they're they're yeah they're in different universes <laughs> this this series got out of hand the moment that the hawks won the play in and yeah. realized that this was the series that's when the series got out of hand yeah it's I yeah mean, it's- and it's brutal too because the way mill like obviously milwaukee like beat the crap out of miami the other night but Atlanta would probably be better suited playing a you know like a slightly injured Milwaukee team than this Boston team just even from a matchup perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, it's brutal for them, brutal for Milwaukee. Milwaukee would certainly rather play Trey Young at all yeah. than than Jimmy Butler in the Heat too. Yeah. I so I think it's it's definitely an interesting spot, but it does kind of set us up for um moving forward. One of the things I think that's interesting, right, is a lot of people talk about how these teams that are down 0-2, they seem to cover in game three. I don't really, like, when they go home, I don't really buy it that much. Like, I feel like that's kind of been cooked into the number at this point. Um, But I do think that there's also a little bit of, like, that dying gasp. Like, these teams, like, have to win. But in this spot, I still think that Boston's the play. I, I bet them at minus five. I think that it's just, uh, the, the, like, we've kind of discussed, like, Atlanta has not shown me anything about being able to really contend in this series. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that for me. I'm like so far in on the Celtics already that <laughs> like, if, if anything, I might actually have to play like a small Atlanta money line just to kind of even out the position. Fair. Like you said, I had the minus two and a half. I bet sweep before the series. I added to sweep after game one. Yep. I don't think there's really, they finally caught up. There's not a ton of value there now, but like, Let's be real. I, I honestly no, I'll say this. I, I think the sweep is still somewhere around even odds right now. I, act, I haven't looked recently, but I think it's like plus one ten. I think I'd rather just bet the sweep than betting the minus five. Yeah. Because if they win and go up three zero, I still have no reason to believe Atlanta is anything other than like one two three strip club after tonight's game. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Atlanta is just gonna go out and party and and make off season plans. Yeah. This team doesn't like each other, and like Trey Young trade rumors are already out there, and he's not been very good in this series. And it's, it's 
it's not the right matchup. Like, no, I, I think we've gone a little too far on the Trey Young slander, maybe, but it, yeah. against the physicality of this defense and Clint Capella, it's not the right series for him. DeJounte Murray doesn't really have a big athletic advantage. That's kind of where he gets his. It's not the right matchup for them. Yeah. So um, I think that this this kind of puts us looking at the second round. And we'll I want to get I want to talk about this upcoming series, which will inevitably be Philly. But let's finish talking about these Friday games first. So the next game that we have on the slate is obviously my New York Knickerbockers hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday night. We both are on the Knicks in the first quarter. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for them to start off strong. Um, what have you seen in this series? I like, I still think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be a tough series for both teams. Um, but have you seen anything that you're like, Oh, this is, this is a problem or, or, you know, this is good for this team. Yeah. It's hard because it feels like a lot of what I've seen is, is largely what I expected to see. And I thought that the Knicks would win one of the first two games. They got the first one. I thought the rebounding physicality battle was going to be really important in this series. And it seems very clear to me the team that's won that battle each each game has been the winner of the game. Yeah. So I think a lot of that is as expected. The, the note that I had from game two, I've seen a few people talking about this. Jalen Brunson, great, great this season, but he is getting targeted defensively. Yeah. And they're putting him in a lot of actions. They're trying to just wear him down, I think. And, and it certainly worked in game two. We've talked about, Okoro, why did you play three minutes, pick up the fouls, and then just literally didn't leave the bench again yeah. the rest of the game? Yeah. I think it's Brunson. I think it's because I know Brunson defensively is the better match or, or, for Okoro. Getting on Brunson is better. But on the other side of the court, if Okoro is out there, they can just hide Brunson on him yep. and just kind of keep him out of the action because Brunson is a non-threat. And if anything, he or sorry, Okoro is a non-threat. So Brunson can kind of help off try to get a steal, double down a little bit, and dare Okoro to do anything because he hasn't been. Levert suddenly had the big game, and I'm going to have to assume hitting the road now, like you don't put your young guy Okoro back out there now in the spot. That's not the way to do it. So I think there's a chance for Levert overs maybe, and I'm a little worried about what they do about that. That would be the spot where you say, okay, well, how how do the Knicks adjust to that? Well, yeah. Tibbs adjusting. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how Tibbs does any adjusting. I, I told you Danny Green suddenly played, I think, 20 minutes and like was fine. I my kingdom for a Danny Green prop <laughs> over, like, give me the one three-pointer Danny I Green. I haven't I just, seen it yet. I haven't it's seen not it. It's not gonna yet, be there. We, they're they're gonna... not giving it to us. I just no. want to sweat out a Danny Green three the entire game. What a terribly fun bet <laughs> i would i would abs- if that pops i'm absolutely gonna play it because that's just a that's a blast i was a little surprised with levert's line right because game one it opened 11 and a half game two it opened eight and a half for his points game three now it's opened at 12 and a half he's only scored 15 plus points in 25 of uh or rather in 23 of 74 games this season so mm-hmm. He's like, he's just not that efficient. I mean, like, even when we give him 30 minutes in his last 25 games uh, of 30 plus minutes, he's only gone over this in 13 of them. So he's still only at like 50%. It's, it's really, it's really tough with Okora or uh, with Levert rather, because we just don't really know what we're going to get. He's just, he's not efficient 
he can kind of create his own offense, like you said. But if he's not cooking, like he's a microwave guy, like if he's not cooking right yeah. away, then you can hide Brunson on him and just be like, all right, yeah, like please shoot the ball. Like you try to get hot instead of Donovan Mitchell, who's just always hot. You know, <laughs> like we we'd rather Levert beat us than Donovan Mitchell, which is what happened in game two, right? Like they obviously lost the rebounding battle, but. Lavert was a huge part of that. Uh, I think the other guy that I would look at is those Darius Garland threes too, because he was getting a lot of off ball movement and they were kind of using that to free him up. Right. So maybe that's a look to, for him, but he just, he also doesn't really hit a lot of threes. Like it just kind of worked out for him. Um, and one of the things I think that's been uneven and I'm not a hundred percent sure how to feel about it. Right. But the Knicks have by far like the greatest disparity in actual versus expected effective field goal percentage in the playoffs right now. They have an EFG of 43.8% compared to their expected of 54.4. And that's the same as their season long mark. So the shots they're getting are the same. I just, they're just not converting them. So I don't know if that's now like a home court thing where you, you bring your guys home, like Barrett sucks, but like Grimes, you know, like Grimes quickly, neither of them have played great. Right. Like up until this point, even Josh Hart, you could tell maybe that ankle was bothering him a bit. Maybe going home, that changes this whole scenario. And some of those shots that like, you know, the Cleveland crowd is like putting that pressure on you. Right. Maybe those shots now start falling for New York as you start to feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how you're feeling about this offense, because that's the part where. You and I, that was the one thing that I was a little different than you on where you came out of game one saying, all right, well, the Knicks got the win and they didn't even play that well. They didn't even make their shots like yeah. Brunson barely played. And I dug in. I was like, well, they didn't really make their shots, but also like that's kind of the Knicks thing. Like that's the thing that we do. So game two largely reflect, reflected that under 40 percent field goal for the series as a team. They've basically made a quarter of their threes. But again, not surprising because they're no. not a good shooting team and the Cavs are a good defensive team. Yeah. I thought Mobley and Allen got out and defended a lot better in game two. So I I played the under in game two and um, sorry, I played the under in game one, game, one, game two. Yeah, game I forget one, which one. I think both, but yeah. Yeah. And, and so they keep dropping the total. I don't do a lot of totals here, but I think it was two sixteen and a half game yes. one. 213 and a half game two. That's the one that I played. 211 and a half. Now we've been under 200 both games. We're playing super slow. And again, other than the Cavs making a few threes, there's really just not a lot of shot makers happening no. in this series. So it to me, that tells the story of maybe keep playing the unders. And if it's going to be under 200 points, it's just going to be this like grindy 90s style series. And that just makes everything very coin flippy and yeah. gives everyone a chance. I would say most, my best guess would be split in New York, back to Cleveland 2-2, two, two, split the next two, and uh, we yeah. probably end up with a game seven scenario. Like, to me, this is the the toss-uppiest series that we have at this point. Yeah, my big thing with this series, and I think this is going to be a problem for Cleveland if they get through, right, is I, they've already, I think, made all of the adjustments they can make, right? Like there's only so much you can do with the personnel that they have. They basically benched a Coro. You saw Nito play like a couple minutes, which is insane, right? Like <laughs> he does not belong on a court in the playoffs, right? So then 
Chetty Osman, like he's dealing with an injury right now. So maybe that'll change it a bit, but like they're really running like a tight seven man rotation. I don't know like where they go from this personnel wise. And I think this is, this actually happened last year in the finals, right? Where we were looking at Boston and we were like, Oh, like they have all these guys, like they could do a couple things. And then it's like, wait, like they just ran out of counters. Like they ran out of things that they could do because they had guys who were unplayable or whatever. This is happening to Cleveland. Now I'd imagine that this is like, this has to be concerning uh, from the Cleveland, like coaching perspective, moving forward, especially if you're going to play like a team like Milwaukee, where you can't just, you can't have a negative on offense. Like, it's just, you can't do that. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Where you basically don't have a fifth man. Yeah, well, especially looking at that series when you can put Drew Holiday on Donovan Mitchell and suddenly you got Holiday, the best guard defender in the league for my money, eat your heart out, Marcus yeah, Smart. Yeah. But uh, putting him out, it's not like Donovan Mitchell is just going to do nothing. He's going to be fine, but he's not going to be elite when Drew is all over him. What's left on the offense now after that? And especially Milwaukee is a, is a really good rebounding team, so there goes that possible advantage. Milwaukee is just... Like Milwaukee's a clearly a way, way better defensive team than what the Knicks are, and the Cavs are already struggling to find points. Yeah, I I feel coming into the playoffs, you and I talked on buckets about we felt like this Cavs team was a a great regular season team, but a 100%. flawed profile for the playoffs. And I I, I st- that still is my cap. I still feel yeah. like that's what we've seen come through here. And that doesn't mean they're going to lose to the Knicks because, sorry, I think yeah. the Knicks are kind of a flawed team also. I think we've got like the Spider-Man meme of two flawed teams. Agreed, yeah. I, th- I think the people who are really on the Cavs in this series, I think are probably right about their Knicks cap. They're just still giving Cleveland a little too much credit. And maybe that doesn't kill them this series. But I have to say, like right now, assuming that Giannis is healthy enough to play normally, I feel like I'd go like Bucks and five and, and yeah. not even... Like that's the series I'm going to make dinner plans during in because I feel like I don't need to watch a lot of the Cavs against the Bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the Cavs versus the Bucks series, uh, if, you know, obviously if that's the one, I mean, either way, like even if it's New York, New York can ha- presents like slightly different issues, I think for Milwaukee, just in the fact that like, they have like a nine man rotation, like they can do different things, but then that also assumes rational coaching. Right. And that like, you know, Tibbs is going to do rational things, which we, everybody always thinks like, Oh, like they can make this adjustment and they can make this adjustment. And I think it's important to remember these coaches a lot of times have already thought of what these adjustments are. And then they're just like, I can't really go there. It won't work. Like it might work for a quarter. I'm not going to do that. Like I'd rather try to just go with this game plan. So you know, I I think it's interesting, but I think it, it's really is setting up Milwaukee for a path to the Eastern Conference Finals, I would say, at the end of the day, right? But let's look at this last game on the Friday slate. We have the Nuggets and the Timberwolves. Uh, you know, your boy, Rudy Gobert, your other boy, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, My whole gang. <laughs> your whole gang. I mean, this is um, this is a tough one for, for Minnesota. I mean, they, they aren't winning the non- Jokic, Jokic minutes. So it's just like, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's going to be a problem when Jokic comes off the court and Denver like adds to their lead. Yeah, Nuggets bench players are both like they're they're not even playing a deep rotation, but the Nuggets bench guys are basically all 
plus double digits in both games now. Yeah. So yeah, you're drawing dead against the Nuggets if that happens when Jokic is off the court. Uh, I mean, it doesn't help. Like game two, the big story is okay. Jamal Murray, amazing game shooting, Ant, huge game. Like that, all of those things are true. The other thing that's true is Denver is way better. That's what's yeah. the, that's that's what's true. Yeah. Minnesota. Like I think that the easy narrative right now is like, all right, well, the Timberwolves finally woke up. Third quarter, they won forty to twenty three. We saw the Nuggets kind of do the thing they did a month ago, where they just kind of like, like yeah. I think they checked out. They're like, yeah. all right, we're good. We're this yeah. is done. Because at that point, you know, they're up like plus 50 on the series, literally. So I think they kind of checked out and then Minnesota made a big run. And to be fair, that is a little worrisome because if Denver does that against a real team, sorry, my Timberwolves, they're going to lose that game. And and now you gave a whole game away, not a quarter away. But if you take away that one quarter and to be fair, take away the third quarter in the first game when Denver won that one 32 to 14. So that's the two huge quarters in the series. Even without that, score from game one is Denver 77-66. Score from game two is Denver 99-73. So outside of this one swing quarter each game, the Nuggets are still very clearly the better team there. Minnesota has only won one quarter of the series. And I feel like we want this to be a fun series that goes along. So we're focusing on that one quarter but I think we all know who the better team is and we're just going to head it that way. I mean, the price of Denver minus two and a half games is minus two sixty. So it's like, this is going to be, it's just a matter of like, is Minnesota going to maybe steal one? And like, like maybe they will like at home, but honestly they haven't shown me much to think that they can. Um, It just, it just kind of is setting up for a seat for an off season where they're probably going to be looking at their roster and trying to figure out like, well, what do we do to make this better because we have a lot of personnel fit questions um, even after this year. So it's definitely, it's definitely going to be a spot. Um, The one series that I want to talk about a lot that I think is interesting for a variety of different ways, right. Is this Suns Clipper series, because to me, the, the Kawhi Leonard stuff aside, right. Like the injury significant, like the load management, like we can go on and on and on for that stuff. The Clippers are like exposing some flaws with Phoenix, I think, because Phoenix is like should be winning these games handily, and they're not. Like they go on these little stretches of like, oh my god, this is the best team I've ever seen in my life, and then like they have these other stretches where you're just like, oh my god, like pass the ball to like somebody else, <laughs> like do something, you know? What like what are what are your thoughts here on this series? Like can can LA kind of push this far and? Are you still worried? Like, are you are you worried if you have Suns ticket? Well, I don't have Suns tickets, so Good. I'm not worried yeah. because I don't want Suns tickets, and I have not bought any of them since the trade happened at Action Network. All you, me, and Matt Moore all wrote immediately after the Durant trade that the Suns were immediately overpriced, and somehow, yeah. I guess maybe the somehow is because Durant has just not played most of the time since then, but we never came off of it. We've just we all decided. The Suns are the clear favorite in the West, and we'll see what happens from there. And the number still reflects that. Even still now, I don't I don't understand it. Like nothing, nothing about what we've seen in these three games has really got me that excited about this team. Yeah. And I feel like we're treating them, the numbers, the books are treating them like they are this kind of dominant juggernaut one seed sort of team. 
as the four seed. Yeah, as the four seed, that's going to have to go on the road at least once, maybe twice in a series, let alone the finals where they're definitely on the road. So here's the numbers from game three. In game three, which let's just present the, the facts here, no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George. The leader of the team for the Clippers is a man that half of the NBA has paid to go away. Get off of our team. We don't want you, Russell Westbrook. You're now the star of the Clippers. And let's be fair, Westbrook has been awesome. He's been great. He's been great. We'll give him his flowers. Absolutely. 38 and 12 and like actual genuine numbers on those, not just the stat padding type. Like this, this is what Russ is best at. He is awesome at raising the floor of a team and making them competitive. He is yeah. not the ceiling guy to win a title, but in a series like this where we're missing guys, he's the guy you want there. Yeah. So he's been great. But again, that's your lead. Your lead is Russell Westbrook surrounded by, like, frankly, sixth men, right? Yeah. Norm Powell is the second guy. He's he's a bench he's guy. He's awesome a gunner. too. Like, it's yeah. just, it's crazy. He has been. But like, the entire team in in Clipperdom is basically rotation guys. Yeah, like that team, that team who the Suns are playing, the dominant treat them as a one seed Suns. That team without Kawhi, without PG, pushed them all the way. Had any number of shots in the fourth fourth quarter they could have hit, and suddenly the Clippers are up two one, and we are having a very different conversation about this team nationally in that game against. The team missing the two franchise guys. Durant plays 42 minutes. Devin Booker plays 45. Chris, almost 40 years old, Paul plays 41 minutes. He's playing his age. They don't have guys on the other team. They don't have a bench. So they're playing like every second they can. The Suns in this game shoot 46 free throws. That is literally... Almost one per minute of NBA action. The Suns are shooting that many free throws. They have 15 offensive rebounds. The Clippers have 18 turnovers. And the Suns still almost lost the game against no Kawhi and no PG. I I just, it's, I'm very worried. I'm very worried about what this Suns profile is. And I, I just, I don't see what the books think that we're supposed to be seeing here. Uh, yeah. And I think the real problem is too, like they still, they actually, I think they take fewer threes now, right? Like <laughs> yeah, they do they fewer threes. And it's like, you're setting yourself up for that variance equation. The Clippers don't even take threes. That's the, th- that's actually the craziest thing here. Like they don't really even take that many. Like they're only taking them on 33% of their shots in this series, which is not a lot. They're making them at a high clip. They're shooting 38.3%, but they're not really seeking them out in the way that you would think that they would in this type of matchup. So maybe that's an adjustment that obviously could be made. But the thing that's problematic for me is like, if you look at Phoenix, they are their location, their expected EFG is 51.3%. We know that it's because you have guys like Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, even DeAndre Ayton, right? He's pretty efficient, like when he actually does shoot the basketball or like get a touch, but they don't, they just aren't shooting threes. So you're setting yourselves up for this situation where you're going to go play Denver, presumably, if you get out of this, you're going to presumably go play Denver, who is a team that's just been crushing it on offense, right? They're 
their EFG in the postseason is 57.4% and they're shooting 43.9% from three. You're not going to beat them. It's just like, it's not going to happen if Denver's going to shoot like that from long distance. So I like, I definitely wouldn't want to be buying Phoenix right now. I think if anything, you can maybe start, like I'm not opposed to grabbing a little bit of Clippers on at least in the series anyway. Yeah, the three-point math is a serious problem, and that's that's been true. That's been the Suns thing. And like you said, then I think it got even more exacerbated when they got Durant. So I'm looking at series numbers. We've played three games in the series. The Suns have 26 three-pointers. The Milwaukee Bucks made 25 threes in a game the other night. The Suns have 26 threes in three games in the series. I, I don't understand, like, I, I know Durant wants to shoot the midi and, and Booker does. And Booker has been phenomenal this series. Booker is absolutely carrying the team. Yeah. And he has been amazing. He's averaging 36 points a game right now. He has not done this in the playoffs that I've seen before. This has been awesome for him. So I have to give him credit for that. But like the, the path is so narrow for what Phoenix is supposed to be because the defense is not looking very good. The rim protection is not good. Aiden has really been poor in defense, I feel. Yeah. Chris Paul is going to get attacked, not by this team, because there's not guys to go after him, but it's Jamal Russell Murray against yeah. Chris Paul, like Steph Curry against Chris Paul. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. And so we have, like, like you know me, I do the four factors thing. If the defensive profile is not good and four factors on offense – this is a team that is going to get to the line. We saw them shoot like uh, for again, 46 free throws. Yeah. But the, 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 the offense just has to be insanely efficient and has to be efficient at the things that we have taught ourselves in 2023 are not efficient. They have to just make all the mid range two point shots because that's the profile that they have leaned heavily into. And in game two, we saw what happens when they do. I mean, the, the numbers for from game two were insane. It looked like the Suns are this incredible team because they're 65% EFG, but they shoot 21 of 29 on two-pointers outside the paint in that game. Yeah. 21 of 29. And I know Durant and Booker are as good as anyone in the league at that, but that's 72%. League average is 42% on those shots. And both numbers are a problem because that's over a third of their shot profile too. So it's like, those are shots that a lot of teams nowadays are taking as threes. So you're going to make not 21 out of 29, but if you make 14 out of 29, that's the same number of points because they're all worth the extra point there. So I agree with you, Joe. I I don't know that I'm going to say, okay, the Suns are going to win the series, but I think the value, right? There's, there's no value on the Suns right now. There just yeah. isn't. The value is the Clippers. Here's a bet that I love, and I gave this out on buckets today as well. Clippers plus two and a half games in the series. That basically means Clippers have to win one of the next two. It means the Suns can't close out without the Clippers winning again. That is even odds right now. It's crazy. And I don't know why it should be. I I don't and, and look, I'll be honest, I have no insider information. I'm not reporting. I have no idea if Kawhi Leonard plays again this series, this season at any point. I'm not counting Kawhi in on my cap. I'm counting the team we saw in game three. Why am I getting even money to say, yeah, they just can't win another game. They're done. They're, they're, they're cooked. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. And Clippers to win the series again, don't think it's likely, but I think the number is wrong. 
I see a plus 700 is the longest number. But right now, can I mention books on your podcast? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Right now at DraftKings, Clippers in six is 30 to one. Clippers in seven is 12 to one. If you just play both of those together, you get Clippers plus 816 to win the series. 10.9%. Yeah. I I don't know what I've seen the series to believe that the Clippers have only 11% chance at a series when I think they can win any game home or away if the shots fall. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's just kind of one of those situations where you're looking at this series and it's just like, I'm not sold on Phoenix and the Clippers just have that, you know, they just have so many different looks that they can throw at you because of what, you know, Ty Lue's a good coach. Like he does make the adjustments and that's something that, you know, we can assume because we know that he makes adjustments, right? So it's like, he's going to be throwing different looks. And like you mentioned before, Monty Williams really doesn't have a lot of things he can do differently. He, he can't change the personnel. It's literally just, can we outcoach this if they throw something at us or can we just outscore them or whatever the situation is? So I do think that they're in a little bit of a dangerous spot. Um, the one series, the two series that we haven't touched on yet. Wait, let, let me add one, one more, one more thing here. Not to okay. cut you off on your own podcast. No, 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 you're, but, good. you're good. You're good. Uh, yeah. I, I think too, we haven't said it and we, we wish it doesn't happen, but when you're playing these three dudes, 40, 45 minutes a night, Durant, doesn't play 10 weeks in a row anymore. And he certainly doesn't do it at 45 minutes a night. Chris Paul has like three playoffs his entire life where he's gone through without an injury at some point. Yeah. And Devin Booker has had some injuries too, not at the same level. But when you play dudes 45 minutes grinding it out this way, like you are opening yourself to that risk. So if they're already thin and they're already a six man rotation, what happens when one of the 42 minute guys can't play for even one game? You, yeah. you know, you, you roll your ankle or something one game because you're tired at the end. So I I just want to make sure to say, I don't know if we are right that the Suns are in danger in this series. I think that they're in more danger than the numbers letting on. The point that I want to make sure that, that we get out is I, and I said this on Buckets today as well, the best futures bet that I can make right now is to tell you not to put your money on the Suns to win the West or to win the title at the number. That doesn't mean they can't. They can win it. But at the number we are getting right now, that it's way off from what the Suns yeah. actually are. And that means that there it has to be value on somebody else in the West. Good luck figuring out who it is. I don't know if I can help you there. I kind of like Denver, <laughs> depending on the moment. Maybe it's the Lakers. Maybe it's the Warriors. Maybe it's Grizzlies or Kings, the top seeds. Maybe yeah, it's right. the Clippers. It's not the Timberwolves and it's not the Suns. Not because no. the Suns can't win it, but the number, the value is not there at the number. So to me, that is the big takeaway. Even if it's not right this series, who else can I bet right now? What's the path? Can I bet, you know, a stage of elimination for Phoenix? Can I bet? Denver to come out of the West because Phoenix is not as strong an opponent. Can I bet Denver head to head against Phoenix next series when the line comes out and Phoenix is maybe the favorite, Probably favorite even though yeah. Denver is the home team and the one seed. Like to me, I, I have to keep finding spots to fade the overall arc of the Phoenix Suns. It, like if they win a championship by shooting mid-range jumpers and not playing much defense and not having a bench and they do it for two months, they might, 
They might. Kevin yeah, Durant I mean, and Devin Booker are awesome, and I'd be real happy for Chris Paul, and I'd be happy for for Kevin Durant. And my wallet's just gonna get a little thinner if that happens because I have to keep betting against that being the likely outcome. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that it's just that's just the way the NBA is right now. Like that's just not necessarily a profile that you really would build for a winning team, at least long-term. I think that this sets us up though in an interesting scenario, right? In the other part of the bracket in the West, because those teams are all very interesting between the Kings, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, and the Lakers, because they all actually kind of have that profile of like a team that has like, has a big that's like contributing in like one way, shape or form, but they're like, not necessarily the most traditional big, like they're not the center that you would think, right? Like even Anthony Davis, he really like, he wants to play power forward. Like, you know, he's not really, but even though he can, he can play up if he needs to, but none of these teams really have a true traditional center outside of maybe Kevon Looney. Like that's probably the closest you're going to get to a traditional center out of these four teams. Um, What do you think about this part of the bracket now just based on the fact that the series are their series are pretty close. The Warriors obviously won a game that they absolutely had to have. But what do you think about this part of the bracket? Is there a team that you're like, I want to, I still think that there's a path for them, or I think the path is opening up for them. I think the path is open up for all four of them. And that's the problem, <laughs> right? Like that's not a helpful answer, but I'm being honest. Like I, what I want to bet right now is I want to find the edge in those four teams. We we've got the bracket. We've seen the games, yeah. but they're all, each of the four teams has real clear strengths and we've seen them do that and win games. And each of the four teams is incredibly flawed and has weaknesses that can be super taken advantage of. And, and I think that's just the West. I think that's just what we've got in the conference yeah. this year. And so, yeah, I, it's it's almost to me a spot where I feel like in that that half of the West bracket, maybe almost the play is just to start kind of adding on long positions on underdogs and saying, okay, I'm just going to keep betting against whoever has become the favorite. I'm going to bet against them. I'm going <laughs> to add to my position on the other side. Yeah. And just to, and, and then when that one flips back, now I'll add back on that team. Yeah. And and just like. I mean, we we waited, you and I and every other analyst talked about who can we get into this half of the bracket. We want the Grizzlies-Kings half. Well, Kings have been really good, and the Kings yeah. have probably been the better team in the series. The Grizzlies won without John Morant and Brandon Clark and Steven Adams when they probably should have just gotten, you know, gotten the guillotine on their yeah. season in that game. So the Warriors, we know what the peak is. We know that that title core is still in there. The Lakers are still LeBron and Davis. And when they go, and we've seen both of them be great so far in the playoffs, we know what that can be. So I I, I don't know if you feel like if you're listening and you're like, I know who I like out of those four teams. Congratulations. I don't. I don't know who I like out of the four. It changes every five minutes of basketball I watch. If you know, you need to bet them. You need to bet them to make to the Western Conference Finals if you have that available, or to win the West so that you can hedge out of it as a position later. Like, if you've got to read, and especially if you feel like, okay, I know I like Warriors over Kings, and if the Warriors do get there, I would love them against either the Lakers or the Grizzlies. Just as an example, whatever. If you can look ahead to the matchup and say, okay, or maybe it's the opposite. 
I know I like the Warriors here, but I think they get crushed by the Grizzlies or Lakers. The physicality, whatever the path is, Joe, I could talk myself into all of them. Like there's there's literally like uh, 32 permutations so I think, of how the bracket can play out. They all can happen. They're all completely realistic to me. Yeah. If you feel like you have a read on one of the 32, 16, I don't know. I shouldn't have done math on Whatever the fly. It is. Yeah, it's something Whatever the number it's like is, 16 you, you got to play like that. that angle and like find ways to play it because there's real value there. We just don't know. I feel like we're just getting a lot of like coin flippy outcomes and did we make shots and did the role players show up and who was at home? And it's it's super interesting. Those are the games I want to watch every time, but I feel like I can't bet a lot on it because I don't know, know what's happening. Yeah, like it, it's really tough. I think the one thing too is like the Grizzlies are in this weird spot where they've been good without John Morant. So the injury to him is it's significant, right? But it's also less significant than other injuries that maybe they could be they could have been dealing with. Obviously, I don't think they can win. I don't like I'm I'm kind of low on the Grizzlies. Like I don't think that they could win the West without and I don't think they could win the West definitely without John Morant just from like I think they need that from like a depth perspective, a leadership perspective really like a variety of different things, right? He does provide a lot, but the Lakers are a soft matchup for point guards. So it's a little bit easier to hide that deficiency, I think, in this series. Um, I think moving forward, maybe that becomes a little bit more difficult. I think right now, it's there is a ton of value, like you said, in that part of the bracket. The Kings, I think, are very interesting, but I do think that they're there, there, there are some significant problems like that you can kind of see with what's going on with the Kings. And a lot of it's dealing with the way Sabonis is just kind of being smothered on the offensive side. He's getting a lot of rebounds, but if he's unable to get going and like the, really the, the whole thing has just been, well, we're just going to put Kevon Looney on him the whole game. <laughs> and like, we'll just like, that's just what we're going to do. We're going to match minutes. Every other team in that part of the bracket has somebody that they could throw on Sabonis for an entire game whether it's Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Davis, and then realistically you get to the if you if you get to the conference finals, you're looking at uh Jokic or you're looking at uh you know you're probably looking at Aiton or a yeah. Zubach or somebody. Like there's a big or oh, Gobert or Rudy Gobert. Or, yeah, yeah, true. Like if they get there, <laughs> if they get there. But then even if you look at the East, it's the same situation. Yeah. So I think my my like I have some big numbers on the Kings. That might be the one team that I'm like, I think they can win this series because I think the Golden State's a little fraudulent, like just in terms of their depth and their rotations right now. But then like this is kind of the time to get to get Golden State, right? With a team that just has this elite offense too. But I think their ceiling's like pretty capped just because if mm-hmm. if you have to run the whole offense through like Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox, like okay <laughs> like, like sure like we'll deal with it but i i yeah. i like the kings but i think this might be you know maybe they get to the next round but i i have trouble seeing them going further than that yeah sabonis i think we, we like to talk props sabonis so far in three games has two four and four assists yeah uh, i think you surprising. and i talked before the series i believe did you did you end up betting the draymond to lead the series in assists uh i think i might have sprinkled it yeah but so that's, that's Draymond just, uh, got suspended and missed a game and is probably still going to lead the series in assists because yeah. Sabonis, and this is not new. That happened during the season too. His assists dropped off against the Warriors. It's not a good matchup for him. On the flip no. side, 10 assists. He has 13 turnovers, four, three, and six turnovers. It's insane. So yeah. I think turnovers over, assists under for Sabonis. And honestly, I, I thought he played really soft in game three. 
Yeah. I think that the crowd got to him. Like he he overnight became one of the NBA's villains. I can't stand the dude right now. Like, let's be real. I'm a Draymond stand. So of course that's <laughs> why are. I'll just be honest about it. But like he Sabonis is a very punchable face. And I never really noticed until suddenly I wanted to punch it very much after this. So <laughs> so I, I just I feel like suddenly the Kings went from this like plucky, lovable underdog thing to now that the now that the narrative twisted. It almost became like game three almost became most must win. Like Draymond is out. You better take advantage yeah. and, and kill the Warriors dead. And they didn't. And and I need to see now, like, how how do you respond, Sacramento? How do you respond now that you're on the road? Places are rocking. And can you show up that way? And yeah. we don't know. Maybe they do. Like, yeah. that's fun. If, if they, they do, don't but... win, if they don't win a game, Golden State's going to get a chance to close it out in game six at home. So like right. that's that like the Kings, I think I think they need to win this game. I think they need to win to go up three one just because the Warriors have that pedigree where it's like, look, if this series is two two and it's like the Warriors gotta win two out of two out of three. Like I'm like as much <laughs> as I think the Kings like could win this series, like I'm not gonna bet against the Warriors in that spot. There's just there's just yeah. no there's just no way. So um, a thing I saw from the Warriors in this game that's interesting. I saw someone tweet out Steph had six three pointers from 28 feet or more, which is the most in playoff history. Bombs. Yeah. And we kind of just shrug that, shrug it off. Like it's Steph, right? So it's just what he does. I think it's not a shrug. I think it's the Warriors actually tactically made an adjustment here. They put more shooters out there. Part of that is Jordan Poole being the starting lineup, but they got shooters everywhere. The Kings don't really have anywhere to hide people because there's shooters everywhere they look. And those bombs, those three-pointers, it effectively is making it so that the three-point arc is like three feet further out. I think it's not a coincidence in that game when that happens that Kevon Looney is just vacuuming up every offensive every rebound, rebound because every the rebound. defense is getting pulled so far out away and now you just got like Looney one on one against whoever he's in there in the paint Sabonis. Yeah, with yeah Sabonis, Sabonis yeah. and this huge amount of space. And I think like the Warriors suddenly turn the tables on the physicality and the offensive battle. And I think they can keep doing that. Like I think that was a tactical adjustment to kind of say, okay, we've warped the geometry. We're the Warriors, but we're going to push even further. And also, it's opening up those back cuts, those drives when Steph gets there and finishes. We saw Poole get an awesome finish, like. I, I do think that was a tactical thing, and I don't really know what the Kings respond to that with because they don't they don't have a lot of defense to respond yeah, I, with. I mean, I think maybe maybe you have to throw a little bit of more Davion Mitchell out there or something like that. Like maybe that's the adjustment. But I think the point that you're raising is actually interesting though because players don't like you're not taught to cover that far <laughs> out. Like so, it's yeah. it's uncomfortable because like you're you're spacing like in your head. Like when you play ball, like you're like I know where this is like on the floor because yeah. like you pick guys up like right around the three point line generally, right? So yeah. it's like you're comfortable. Like you're like I know I'm this many steps from here. This like I just you do it on muscle memory. It changes this. It changes the analysis for if you're playing like that now because now it's like do you cover him out there? How does that affect your your spacing? And if you don't, it's an open shot. Like it's just yeah. an open shot for Curry and we know he can hit it. One of the props, and I think that you you kind of touched on this, right, is Kevon Looney, his rebounding prop for game four right now is, do you want to take a guess of what it is and what, and let me and see, um, we'll see if you're going to bet it or not. Uh, I'm going to guess seven and a half. No, it's 10 and a half. Whoa. His rebounding prop. <laughs> 
Um, wow. It's it's been there kind of the past wow. like couple of games, surprisingly enough. Um I think you could you could argue that it's still bettable. I think. I mean, he just had 20. Like Sabonis so yeah. is at 13 and a half again, right? And basically he's been yeah. at 13 and a half every game. I think it's worth and it's plus money. It's 10 and a half of plus money. So you mm. could probably get like, and you can't bet double double with Looney. He's one of those guys like you can't they do. He might not score. He might not score. So he might get I the assists apparently. Here, yeah, I want to know was... if if he he finished with I believe nine offensive rebounds, eleven defensive rebounds, and nine assists. Yeah. By the way, Kevon Looney had a four twenty on four twenty. So shout awesome. to our man. Awesome. Um, if he got the tenth assist and the tenth offensive rebound, is that triple double? Do we get a triple double on offensive board, defensive boards, and assists? I <laughs> that feel like be... that should count. I think you can make the argument. I think you can make the <laughs> argument. So this is the thing that's interesting, right? In game two, he had seven off. He had seven rebounds. Game three, he had nine. Or game one, rather, he had nine. Game three, he had twenty. The ten and a half is like it's a gaudy number. Um, and his rebounds and assist line is twelve and a half because that's what it's been basically this entire series. I'm wondering, do you think that maybe the pit, like, do you take him at the ten, or are you maybe like looking to kind of do you want to take the rebounds and assist line? Like what? How would you kind of yeah. deal with this given that, you know, the spacing kind of issues there? I don't think I'm going to play the rebound assist line because I think a lot of the assists came with him playing the Draymond role and getting some of those like short roll passes yeah. and Draymond's just going to get those back now that he's out there. So yeah. he was great. He was really good. And we've seen, the, I think he had a game against Memphis last year, Looney, where he had another monster line in that game. So when yeah. they ask him to do this role, I think he can. I think though... To me, 10 and a half is aggressive. And I feel like if I want to play it at this point, I might just do like play the long tails. Can I get yeah. like a Looney 14 rebounds or more and Looney six rebounds or less? Like, yeah. like let me play either. I think 10 and a half is kind of like in the, in the no zone it's in the steep. middle. Yeah. So I think, go ahead. yeah, like if, if, cause it's possible. I mean, look for part of after game one in my notes says like, I don't know if this is a loony series because Fox and Monk are just getting downhill on him and you're playing drop coverage with Looney and they're just, you know, shooting the mid range or floater over him. So I think it's possible Monk did nothing in game three, but if he gets going again and him and Fox are scoring out, well, maybe Looney doesn't even get the huge minutes anymore. Maybe Draymond gets yeah, the minutes that's, back. And that's, and that's, that's a uh, real, that's a real concern. I do think that they start with Looney one of the one of the plays that I think you can go with Looney is the first quarter rebounds. It's pretty juiced at minus one sixty, right? Mm -hmm. But over the last two postseasons, he's been money on this, um, and basically he's gone over this in probably like it looks. I'm I'm get like kind of looking like shortly, but uh, in basically like 65%, 70 of the games. Mm -hmm. So you're getting even though it's juiced, you're you're still decent on the implied probability. Before we get before we get out of here, though, I want to touch on because I do think we have clarity on one second round series, and it's an opportunity for you to talk about your favorite player in the NBA. And uh, <laughs> what what do you think? Like, what's going on with James Harden? What's going on with Embiid? They both like they don't look great right now. Like in this first series, how does this set up for this second series against Boston? Um, what what are your do you have any initial thoughts? Like, because this line will probably be out. I'd imagine. I think both teams are going to sweep. I think this line will be out like kind of soon. Where, where do you? What are you? Where are you going to be at with this? So 
just for clarity, which one is my favorite player? Is it James Harden or Joel Embiid? I'm assuming you mean Embiid. Yeah, of course it's Embiid. <laughs> okay, well, Embiid. I mean, because James Harden is like a strong second. Those have always <laughs> been notably my two favorite players ever. Oh my God, get the Sixers off my screen. I can't wait for them to have like two more weeks and we're out of this. I, I loved before the playoffs started and I, before the playoffs started, I called the Sixers the third best team in the NBA, but also third best in their own conference. And I specifically bet East to win the conference when I could have just bet Boston and Milwaukee alone because I wanted to involve Philly in there just in case. Yeah. I no longer feel the need to include Philadelphia in my position just in case. I don't feel like I've seen anything super impressive in their 3-0 win or 3-0 series lead over a bunch of wings that are not supposed to be on the court together. I loved... Even when I liked Philadelphia, even when I thought that they were in the title contender mix, potentially, I love the matchup for Boston. We've seen Embiid against Al Horford. We know that. We know how they match up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how Embiid had that super awesome game to win the MVP. Essentially, He was great. He was fantastic in that game. He shot 80%. It's hard to do better than that. Like 52, 13, and 6, like absolutely a million percent MVP performance in that game. Now I might add ever since that game and scoring has been down and his turnovers are up and a boy kind of looks like he put a lot into that one game and then hasn't quite been the same since then. It's interesting how that seems to happen with him, but matchup wise in the series. So when I kind of previewed going into the playoffs, how, how does each team win and how do they lose? I kind of have for each team, my notes of, What's the big advantage you have? What, what's the story? You won this game. You won the series. What's the statistical story? The Sixers, the way that the Sixers lose in a series is they lose the three-point math. That's how they lose. And that's why I love the matchup for Boston. Philadelphia allows the fifth fewest threes, but Boston takes threes on threes on threes in their games and is going to make their three-pointers on offense Philadelphia doesn't take a ton of threes. I, I, I've seen Philly fans call them the best shooting team in the league. Get all the way out of here. I know that you finish with number one percentage in the league, but yeah. that is not making you the best shooting team in the league. Those are not the same things. You it's know, different. I know, <laughs> and everybody knows. Yeah. So I think the three-point math is not going to work in Boston or in Philly's favor. I think also James Harden does not look right. He looked much better Something's last off. night. Yeah. I Something's don't know off and something is it's the playoffs and it's James Harden. <laughs> and also he injured that Achilles against Chicago late yeah. in the year and just has not looked the same since then. I missed out on my under in game three. It was not a bad beat because he was going to go way above it before the phantom ejection. Like, by the way, this is the first makeup call ejection you've ever seen in your life. That was crazy. I was like, why do <laughs> what like what are we doing? Like it just it was a total ref show in that game, too. Just like start to bet start to finish, really. Yeah. I mean, Joe Joel and B drop kicked the guy in the nuts, but missed. So he only got a flagrant and a one. And then later on <laughs> at, at halftime, they were like, Hey, we probably should have ejected him. Could you get a makeup call? Get it on James or someone else. And they're like, all right, you're, hard and you're out of here. Like, yeah, the wind like, up not, is not to be conspiracy, but like that's really that's what it feels like happened in that yeah. game. But to me, the three point math toward Boston is a big problem. The depth is a big problem because Philly doesn't have a lot of guys off the bench that can score and hang with, and Boston does. And then most importantly to me, it's not just Embiid who is becoming a problem. 
He fell down 7 million times in game three. He hurt his back. He came out. He hurt his knee. He came out. The stuff doesn't go away. It happens every year. But James Harden is the problem. James Harden is injured right now, it appears. Yeah. He's not driving. And he's doing all these things against the Brooklyn Nets. What happens when you have to play against Derek White and Marcus Smart? And yeah, I listed them in that order defensively. And all the <laughs> other guys on Boston. What happens yeah. when you face a really good Boston team with rim protection, by the way? Robert Williams, who can come down and swallow your layups and... Boston does not foul a lot either, usually. So I think James Harden wow. is set up to have a, a miserable series in that one. And if James Harden doesn't have a good series, I don't know how you beat Boston. You might get away with against Brooklyn, who's not a real NBA team right now, but you're not going to beat Boston, who I think is the best team in the league. Yeah, I think that the difficulty here, obviously, in this Boston series is like I, I think that the Sixers should should sit Harden in Game Four. Like I would let him rest. Mm. Uh, I don't. They literally don't need him. I think that they have enough with Tyrese Maxey and Embiid to win that series, Game Four, sweep it. Like especially if he is being bothered by that, right? Because Boston's also going to sweep. We know the NBA like they'll they'll like let, they'll push this off like a little bit because they don't want it to be like to like back to, they don't want to be see a round two series starting when another team's playing game five, but they start these series sooner. Like if they're ready to go, they're like, we're going to put you on TV. Like let's, let's go, let's get it going. Right. So I would maybe consider sitting Harden, getting like letting him rest. Right. And like that, I think that could maybe be an opportunity to get him like a week off, which I think would be super significant in front of the series uh, heading into Boston. Right. One thing that I think is notable, though, is Joel Embiid's stats without Harden dimes everywhere, just like so many assists. And against Boston specifically over the last two years, he's had five plus in seven of eight games against Boston. So like that's definitely a spot we need to have circled, like ready to go for game one. Um, They just the way that they attack him defensively, he's getting a lot of assists. Even when he is scoring, he's getting a lot of assists. So uh I, it's definitely going to be a good series it might be it might arguably be the best series in the second round of the playoffs i think that boston philly series um but i'm i think it'll be i think it'll be exciting at least uh but it should be you know i think it'll be a heavily contested one and you know but i think it's going to go seven games I, I wouldn't be all that surprised if it's i'd be surprised if it's fewer than six i i wouldn't i i I might have thought that I think a couple of weeks ago coming into the playoffs, I, I actually think Boston is set up right now to like roll through Philly. And I think Boston Milwaukee is the series that you were just talking about. You just mixed up the teams a little bit. Well, that I think can't happen yet. It can't happen. Well, yet. Sure. Sure. I realize, <laughs> I realize, but I, I, I think that this, I could see this being like kind of close games, but also Boston one and five. Like yeah. I, I could see that I, to me, you know, if we got an over under five and a half games right now, I think the under is going to give me plus money on that That's for fair. Boston Philly series. I, I think Boston in five is a more likely outcome than a Boston in seven right now. I, yeah. I just, especially because I don't know how we avoid the scenario where by like game three, one of Harden or Embiid is just gone for the series because they're both already playing like their bodies are about to break down. And I know yeah. Boston's got guys like that too, but they don't look the part right now. Harden and Embiid look the part. And I don't know. I don't know how you feel good about them. I don't know how you feel good about Doc Rivers, even against 
We no, don't really, we really know what Joe Missoula is, but we know what Doc is already. So <laughs> now I don't know. I, I, I would not want to be holding Philadelphia stock right now. I would not want to be buying Phoenix stock right now. I want to ask you two questions, big picture stuff. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap your pod for you with my, my yeah, two this, big this is where I was questions. going anyway. This is where I was going. <laughs> so, okay. So question number one, a book offer, this is hypothetical. This is not a real thing, but, uh, uh, Joe Sportsbook offers plus 300 odds for the Kings, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Grizzlies. All of them are getting plus 300, even odds, to make the Western Conference Finals. Doesn't matter what happens after that. It's just finally someone is allowing us to bet on make the Western Conference Finals. You get even odds. You can pick any team you want. Who is your, of those four teams in that, in that region we talked about, who are you picking against the field to come out of that region? And who would be your last choice? And I'll give my answers too. Uh, my first choice would be the Lakers. Um, I think that they have the best duo of players. Like, it's, like I love Curry and I love Draymond, but like I still think that the best duo is Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um, and additionally, like the matchup problems are like they don't there's nobody that can match up with them like exactly the way that you need to right whereas the lakers can kind of throw some defensive things at you in like weird ways because they just have a lot of personnel the team that i think is least likely is like even though i think the kings can win this series i guess like math wise would be the grizzlies because i'm saying the lakers but like if I, we're just looking at this this way i think that the kings might struggle to get there just because Whoever they're playing in this next round, it's it would be either the Lakers or the Grizzlies. Both teams are awesome in transition, and that's usually and that's kind of a spot where they think the Kings like to kind of get out. And if you can put the Kings in motion, where their defense, which is already not good, is then having to defend in transition, I think that's problematic for Sacramento in especially in a longer series with the team that's got even the Grizzlies. They have a little bit more playoff experience, so that's I think the Kings would be the least likely out of the four. Yeah, I said I was going to answer, and now I, I, I think those are good answers, and now I have to give my answers, and I'm like, shoot, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Who do I think? <laughs> I think that I'm going to go with the Lakers begrudgingly, who I, I continue to be underwhelmed with LeBron in these playoff games so far. Yeah. I, I want bear, LeBron though. to be LeBron. Like, he's not been bad, clearly. he's He's been good. Obviously, but he's yeah. not been. He's not been we've said for years like lebron in the playoffs still number one on the planet or in that top tier he's, he's not yeah, those he's things not there right now. yeah he's passive he's basically like standing on the wing waiting to shoot threes and that there's a crease he's like fullback dive dunk like he's yeah. waiting he he's the the mental game is still as sharp as ever and he's still taking everything that's there but you can tell like physically it's not the same maybe that's more surgical as well yeah yeah, yeah more surgical, surgical is a good way to put it but i i just to me, I think this is where I'm going to go on this. I'm going to put the Grizzlies as the least likely. And I think because of that is why I'm putting the Lakers as most likely. Yeah. I think the Grizzlies, John Morant, whether he comes back for the next game or, or at some point after, they're just, they're so short on options with no bigs now with Clark and Adams out. Jackson's always going to be a foul trouble thing. And now John Morant, like the, the huge guy on offense is not going to be the same. Like, I don't know how we expect he's just going to turn into John Morant again. And frankly, we've seen him do this in the playoffs now. Like, I think it's yeah. a thing we have to be concerned about, the, the full 200% thing, and then he gets injured. So I think Grizzlies last, which makes the Lakers most likely to make the next round. 
I don't really know what I think about Lakers against either of the other teams and like the, the fast pace and would they get run off the court and whatever, I guess LeBron's really the only old one, but I think Lakers, I don't feel good about it. I'm going to make a, a, a finals pick right now. That's my last question for you. Not a bet. Uh, just, just who, who would be my pick, you know, old school, no gambling. My <laughs> finals is the Celtics over the Bucks. And then over the Nuggets. So Celtics over Nuggets. But the final is a Celtics box. But I think Boston's the best team. And I would pick Denver out of the West by default. Homer Simpson's two greatest words in the English language. Default. I think Denver just is the last team standing in the West among a bunch of relatively mediocre options. Boston or, or Milwaukee takes them down. And I like the Celtics. Yeah, I like I like that matchup. Um, I think that I still lean Milwaukee, but I wish I had a little bit more clarity on what, how bad Giannis's back was, right? Um, yeah. Because that, like, they can't win if he's hurt. That's a, they, they can't win. Um, it's just, it's that plain and simple. So, but I do think that Denver comes out of the West. Um, I think their path is setting up to be like it's it's going to be difficult, right? Like moving forward, but I think it's looking not maybe not as hard as it initially thought. You know, maybe to have to play the Suns. So. Uh, I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm going to go Milwaukee against Denver and I'll take the, I'll still take the bucks on top, but I think that'll be, that'll be a tight series. So uh, I'm excited for it and it should be, it should be a lot of fun as the playoffs wind down, but uh, Brandon, it was a pleasure having you on here. Uh, I know we got a lot of content out here. Maybe you, well, if you got this far, you like, you brought, you know, it's not going to help if I tell you to listen to it on two times speed, but like, you know, so, but either <laughs> too way late for you, buddy, it's too late, but either way, um, I had a slushy today. I had a slurpee today. So that was great. And I just wanted to recommend that to you briefly, Brandon, if you have a recommendation <laughs> super fast, we can get us that, get everybody out of here. Yeah. I watched the last of us on HBO. It's a wrap now, but highly recommended. Just took the video game genre of a show, which I'm not really into personally, but took it to a whole different level. A couple of standalone episodes, just like some of the best TV I've ever seen. Watch The Last of Us on HBO. Awesome. So, all right, guys, watch The Last of Us. We'll see who's the last of us in the NBA playoffs. And let's cash that. <laughs>